Hello, and welcome into Airing It Out, a Penn State podcast brought to you by the Center Daily Times. I'm your host, John Sauber, and I'm joined, as always, by Parth Upadhyay. Parth, how are you? Yeah, man, doing well. I feel like I say this every week, but uh, Penn State football is getting harder and harder to watch. Um, obviously, they've got Michigan, um, a Michigan team that's really struggling now, but you know, we said that about, about Maryland also, and you know, they got dragged by Maryland, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, by Maryland, by Nebraska, by Iowa, you name it. Um, it's been it's been brutal for Penn State this season and honestly like this is usually a game if you're facing a a Michigan team that just barely beat Rutgers like you usually look at it as oh you know this is a nice chance to get back on track there is no real reason to believe that that's going to happen this Saturday Uh, of course they play at noon at the big house not that it matters there there will not be fans in attendance other than uh, you know players and players families and whatnot Uh, but first let's let's take a look back at this past week uh, where Penn State got dominated by Iowa, um, made a starting quarterback change for the first time all year. Will Levis starts at quarterback and then gets pulled in the third quarter. Uh, they lose 41-21 in a game that, uh, you know, I don't know about you, it never really felt like Penn State was in it. Maybe maybe a short glimpse of it at the end of the third quarter, but, like, outside of that, this this just felt like an, another opportunity for for Penn State to, to get embarrassed at home. Yeah, it felt like this was going to be different, right? Like, when – when Kevon Lee scores that touchdown at the end of the first quarter, I believe it was a six yard rushing touchdown. That was Penn state's first lead in a game since overtime against Indiana in week one. That's how long it had been since Penn state had realistically had a chance to win a football game, which is insane. Right. And it, it felt like, you know, this was going to be different at that point. Uh, you know, Will Levis uh, was, was moving the ball. Well, um, wasn't passing a whole lot, certainly, you know, but you know, he was good on his legs and keeping drives alive. Um, and then came the turnovers <laughs> and it was back to, you know, same old Penn state football. Yeah, no. And, and same old Penn state football this year has been no tackling, no defense. Uh, like you mentioned, turnovers, whether it's a fumble or, or an interception, the quarterbacks have been prone to them. And uh, quite frankly, good wide receiver play, which is the outlier for Penn state to this point that the wide receivers have consistently played well. Um, you know, that of course, was for Penn State, right? That was the biggest question offensively. And it's funny. It's kind of. Everything has inverted. Right, right. Everything is inverted. And it's just the wide receivers are the only positive the team has right now. Um, And, 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 you know, the the hits keep on coming too for Penn State before the game. uh, Pat Fryermuth isn't suited up. Uh, James Franklin announces after the game that he's done for the season. Uh, You know, he's going to have surgery on an injury that he suffered against Ohio State. And, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it, like I said, the hits just keep coming. Like, what do you even do at this point if you're a, you're a Penn State fan, a Penn State player, a Penn State coach? Like, it feels like – I'm sure it has to feel like everything is is just going against them at this point. And they they haven't uh, – you know, they haven't done anything positive, really, in, in weeks. You know, the, the I guess you can take a moral victory from only losing to Ohio State by 14. But, but, man, like, for a team that had real aspirations, there's just nothing to look at right now that makes you think, okay, you know – this is happening because of COVID and uncertainty and everything. Uh, to me, this this continues to look like a team that just doesn't have it and that, you know, there's not a lot of reason to believe in a turnaround next season either. And I think that's where the real concern comes in. Yeah, and it's weird because on the, you know, the outside looking in, when we speak to these guys, you know, whether it be post game, whether it be, you know, throughout the week on Zooms, it looks like, you know, they're keeping their heads up. But, you know, you hear kind of mumbles about, you know, an altercation that happened this week in the Penn State locker room. Um, and you just kind of wonder, right, like, is that team staying together? I mean, who would blame them if they aren't? They're, they're you know, they're 0-5. It's the worst start in, you know, program history. 
Yeah, and, and quite frankly, somebody should be pissed off. Like there, there has to be some kind of reaction to what's going on. Uh, you know, somebody has to care, and I'm sure these guys care. Like I'm not insinuating that they don't or saying that they don't, but but it's it, it's one thing after another with them that the mistakes are piling up. The and their their mistakes of uh, you know concentration, their mistakes of carelessness, their mistakes of you know not really putting the effort in uh, at all times that that they need to be doing uh, and. And this week it turned into 41 points for Iowa uh, against an Iowa an Iowa offense that is fine, maybe a little above average to good, but not a team that should be putting up 41 on a defense that was again supposed to be good. Uh, and right for the team, yeah, yeah, and and has been totally listless this year, like just putting up no no fight in their games, um, putting I mean playing inexcusably bad, quite frankly. Uh, the tackling has been atrocious. The defensive line at least flashes on occasion and plays well, but. But the, the rest of the, the defense is a total mess. And I, I don't know. I, I Like I said, I really don't know where, especially the defense goes from here because they're facing Michigan this week who who seems to have found the quarterback. Uh, and, you know, Iowa doesn't have that great of an offense and they lit them up. So there's no real end in sight for the defense to get a break. And we talked about before, like 0-9 is a possibility. Like it's not, it's, it, it's not like, oh yeah, they, they won't get there. It's, it's what four games away now. Like they are over halfway to it, with uh, with sure an easier part of their schedule, but not like if they're going to lose to Nebraska, then like they're going to they can lose to anybody. Like everything is on the table for this team. A Rutgers loss is, I would argue, a Rutgers loss is more likely than not at this point. Which for a Penn State team that that has been dominating Rutgers in recent years is embarrassing, but I don't want to get, you know, we don't need to get that far down the road just yet. Uh, We still need to look at this Iowa game and and sort of what went wrong there. And I think as always, it it starts at quarterback, like you said, where, where the turnovers were a a big issue and, and uh, but, but I don't think we're the only issue, but you know, what did you see from, from I guess Clifford and Levis who just were both terrible again? Yeah. I thought, like I said earlier, I thought Levis moved the ball well early on. I thought he, he did just enough to keep drives alive, you know, kind of those long methodical drives that, you know, Kirk Soraka loves. And it, it looked good initially. I don't know what you saw out there, but it, it looked fine, right? You know, when, when Kevon Lee scores at the end of the first quarter, it looks like, okay, Penn State has a chance in this game. They're going to put up a fight. This is going to be different. And then, you know, you've got the, the mishandling of the ball on the lateral where he throws the ball, I think, behind, behind Kevon Lee, um, you know, in the second quarter. And that's where the game kind of turned in my, you know, in my eyes. And they, you know, they also went for it on fourth down a couple of times in the first half and it, it, it didn't work out for them. And it gave Iowa a, a kind of great field position and they capitalized on all three of those errors. Yeah. And the, the going for it at this point, I, I get it. Like your defense isn't stopping them from going 70 yards. So you may as well just let them go 30 and try and get the ball back. Uh, and that's a really rough place to be, but, but yeah, the turnovers did them in again. And, and Levis was uh, you know, admittedly I, I i thought he looked better than clifford still he looked more poised in the pocket he looked more comfortable the the turnovers were like yeah that's a mistake on that pitch to Kevon lee but like that's i mean that's i don't think that's a play they should be calling with an inexperienced quarterback who has not run you know yes. that 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 level of option play you know a, a speed option like that and I, I you know the the strip sack was you know he stood tall in the pocket kept his eyes downfield and got stripped that way which i think i prefer to scrambling around with your eyes like down not looking to pass the ball and and, and losing it and that's that's what clifford has done not time and time again of course clifford with two interceptions the first really not his fault it gets batted into the air but still a ball thrown too low a ball he needs to put more touch on yeah. on 
on a short pass. And in the second, just, I mean, to the D lineman there. He it, threw it, it right to him. Yeah. And, and just a really like, and I feel for him because it's, it's, it's been rough for Clifford. I'm sure it's not easy to, to take the criticism that he gets levied at him, which is again, just another reminder. Do not tweet at these kids. Like it is not like it is not relevant and is not necessary, but you know, he deals with enough of outside noise and then to, to throw it into the hands of a 305 pound defensive lineman. And then to have him sort of, for lack of a better phrase, just juke him out of his shoes on the way to the end zone. Like it was, he switched the ball, switched hands from left to right. It was, it was, it was, it was was a straight up Euro step uh, adding insult to injury for another rough game uh, for Penn state. But like the, the bright spot, I guess for this offense is at the end of the third quarter, Sean Clifford, hits a wide open Brenton strange for a touchdown. Uh, and then on his very next pass steps forward a lot like the Ohio state game, honestly, hits Jahan Dotson open down the field uh, for a touchdown. Yes. He starts the game two for two with two touchdowns. It's like, okay, maybe like this break is what he needed. And then like the sample size grows the tiniest bit and you see what we've seen all season. And I mean, look, we talk about this every week. Uh, we're going to keep talking about this. The quarterback situation is the problem right now. For as bad as the defense is, a lot of defenses in college football look bad because of the scoring. Uh, but the, the the inability to score is always going to put you behind the eight ball. And uh, especially if, if, you're, if it's not just average quarterback play, it's terrible quarterback play. And do you, do you think either of those guys are the answer right now? I don't, but what choice do they have? You know, we, we asked Franklin um, about Taquan Roberson, or not we, I'm sorry, Audrey Snyder of The Athletic asked um, Franklin about Twi- uh, Taquan Roberson after the Iowa game, and Franklin said he's not available. He didn't provide any more details on that, but that's all we know right now. The other two guys, they've got Mason Stahl, you know, a walk-on freshman, and they've got Micah Bowens, you know, who just enrolled, uh, just got on campus in August, rather. You know, so those guys aren't ready to play. Um, they've got to run with these two guys, and Franklin spoke to us today, um, you know, on Zoom and said that, you know, he's going to, he kind of implied that he's going to use them both. You know, he said that he has faith in both quarterbacks and Penn State needs both quarterbacks. So perhaps we might see a two quarterback system, you know, the rest of the rest of the way, which is uh, usually not a good thing. Yeah. If you got two quarterbacks, you've got no quarterbacks. Uh, I, I, uh, I, listen, I understand completely why James Franklin says that he has faith in both quarterbacks and he trusts both quarterbacks. You know, like- right. <laughs> he, he absolutely has to say that. I do not believe him for a second. And I, I don't think anyone does. And I think I'm sure he knows that when he says it. Uh, I'm sure he believes in, in them as kids and faith in them as kids and adults and everything like that. But like on the football field, like they're not going to get the job done. You mentioned Roberson, uh, who Franklin did say was unavailable. Uh whenever he is available, I think you've got to find out like he, you know, throw him in the fire, see what happens because we, we know with certainty at this point that Clifford and Levis are not going to be the starters of the future for this team, which means, uh, and, and I did an analysis piece on this about what this switch means going forward, because it does sort of mean that they don't know the answer. Uh, and it just means to me that you have to find the answer and you have to do whatever you have to. I don't think throwing Bowens in is the right decision, although he may know the offense as well as the rest of the team who knows at this point. And if he does fine, give him a shot, but he's a true freshman. It'd be a really tough spot, uh, especially for a guy that came in pretty raw. Um, but I would, I would give it to Roberson as soon as he's available, whether that's a health issue or whatever, we don't know. But as soon as he's available to me, take one Roberson should be the starter or should be getting the most playing time or whatever you want to call it. Like he should be the guy uh, because if he isn't, 
you have to go to the transfer portal. You have no other options. If they don't do that and they have Levis or Clifford starting next year, that's it's not just like, oh, they only win eight or nine games. It's they might win five or six games. Like those guys have been bad enough because if you look at the schedule to start next season, their opening game, as things stand, as we know, things can change very quickly with this. Who knows what the next season is going to look like. If they have a normal season, though, their first game is against uh, Wisconsin in Madison. That is a nightmare. And then I believe they get Ball State at home and then they get Auburn at home. Like if Levis or Clifford is starting and hasn't made crazy progress, progress that seems unattainable at this point, they're going to start one and two. And that's with Ohio State still on the schedule, at, at, you know, later in the year. That's with uh, Michigan still on the schedule, who we assume will be better uh, because, you know, quite frankly, the they seem more likely to make a change at, at head coach than than any team right now. You've I've read rumblings, I'm sure you have as well, about, you know, the, the mutual decision to depart for Harbaugh that could be looming. Who knows? That's still, you know, a long ways away. But if a change comes, like, they could get a boost there. Uh, Rutgers has been better. Maryland has been better. Nothing is going to be given in the Big Ten now. And they're, I mean, they're just in a horrible spot moving forward. And it all comes down to quarterback. And to me, if you're not willing to give Roberson the chance, you're admitting that he's not the guy, then fine. Like you still have to go to the transfer portal then. And you've got to find someone that can do well, anything at a big 10 level. Uh, you know, you've, you've got to find a guy who can lead a team at, at a big 10 level. Well, you look at, and I wanted to ask you this. You look at Sean Clifford last year, right. And with the right pieces around him, you know, with, with journey Brown, with, with Noah Kane, with Devin Ford, with, you know, uh, Pat Firemuth, all these, all these pieces offensively. Um, and he was fine, right? Like he threw, I think, 23 touchdowns, seven picks. Is that is that version of Sean Clifford gone, do you think? Is there no going back to that because of the way he's regressed? Or do you roll the dice and say, okay, you know, if you're, if you're James Franklin, do you say, okay, I'm going to have a healthier team next year. It's going to be a hopefully a, a not a pandemic-stricken year. Let's go back to Clifford and see if he can come back to his normal form. Yeah, I – I mean, I don't think it's impossible that he gets back there. I would like, I think it's highly, highly unlikely uh, because I think part of it is that he wasn't necessarily better last year. He was just more confident. Uh, and, and so he was able to be more consistent. He still wasn't great. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was still uh, making throws that he shouldn't make on occasion. He was still missing guys. He still had sloppy footwork, still struggled in the pocket. Um but it was it was easy to, to sort of miss those things because they had an offense in place that they were used to running. They had weapons he was comfortable with, uh, you know, and he sort of in a way like a, a, a pacifier in KJ Hamler. You know what I mean? That he could go to whenever he wanted to. That that is replaced by Dotson, who has quite frankly been just as good, but but still doesn't seem to make Clifford as comfortable. Uh, I don't think there's any way you can go back to him because he's not progressing at all you know it's even if he returns to that form I don't think that form is good enough to get Penn State where it wants to go uh, I also think the other issue is this offense I don't know what this offense is but I do know that it's not good uh, it does not look anything like the offense that Kirk Shiraka ran at Minnesota uh, it looks like they they sort of took a the worst parts of that offense and mixed it with the worst parts of the Penn State offense from last year and this is what came out. I, to me, this, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why they're not running, uh, not the same offense he ran in Minnesota, but a similar offense. I don't know why the play calling isn't, isn't up to par like it was then. I don't know what's going on. I'm not, you know, inside the building, but there's got to be drastic improvements from a scheme and and play calling standpoint too. Uh, Some of those play calls are just terrible. Like I mean, I, t- I tweeted out during the game it was fourth and two or fourth and three. They throw a fade, a, a slot fade to the sideline, 
Uh, and of course it falls incomplete because you're throwing a fade on fourth and two. And I, you know, I tweeted, like, I cannot believe that Penn state just threw a fourth, uh, a fade on fourth and two. And then in parentheses said, I absolutely can believe it because it's what they do. It's, it's these bad play calls that put them in really bad position. Uh, they, they're not giving themselves a chance to succeed. And, you know, everyone does blame Clifford and Levis and whatever. And, and that's fair. They deserve some criticism, but I think we're also starting to miss the mark on, 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 on blaming some of the, you know, some of the coaching staff and the play calling. Exactly. Like are, is the coaching staff putting these guys in position to succeed? And I think, you know, sometimes, like you said, that's not always the case. (laughs) Yeah. And, and the problem is more so that it's seems like it's never the case. Like, do you, do you really feel like uh, that, you know, if, if you were in their position, you would feel confident that, okay, these are the right play calls. You know what I mean? Like as unbiased observers, I look at it, at it and like, I don't think on any given play that they're sort of going to press the right button. You know what I mean? Like they're going to get the right, the, the exact outcome they're looking for on, on any given play. It, it sort of feels like Penn state and in, in the offense is just kind of hoping like they're just, you know, they're, they're making the play call and hoping it works out rather than feeling confident. Uh, like, the best example of, of an incredible offensive play caller to me is, is someone like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. I don't know if you saw this when they were playing South Carolina. He calls a play call. I think it's within, within their own 20. Uh, it was play action, and he throws his hands up in the air as like before the quarterback makes the pass. And as soon as the ball goes in the air, and he flings his play sheet, his, his calling sheet, into the air like 40 yards and is celebrating and sprinting down the sideline with his wide receiver. I think it was Elijah Moore because he knew like he could see it. Like that's the kind of one, like to be fair, Lane Kiven is an offensive genius and one of the best play callers in the nation. But like at Penn State, you should be able to get someone at least a tier below that, you know, to, to call your plays and to scheme your offense up. Uh, and Kirk Taraka was supposed to be that guy, right? Yeah, I thought he was. They snagged, you know, they snagged the guy from the team, you know, that, that, that beat them last year, right? From the team that arguably was the reason they didn't make the college football playoff. And that's a power move. Has it panned out? No. And is, you know, is Kirk the only reason to blame? No. You know, it's the personnel, it's COVID, it's everything. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I just, it, it would be one thing if they were sort of running that offense from last year and it, like you could see the, the Minnesota offense and it's just not there yet. Like it had kinks to work out to me. It's, it just kind of looks like a mess, you know, they're, they're an offensive mess right now. They're running two different systems for two different quarterbacks. Uh, they did run some of the Levis stuff for Seth green at Minnesota last year. It's sort of as a power, uh, basically a, a power back and a, a pseudo wildcat, uh, with a quarterback and instead that's, you know, better off running the ball than throwing quite frankly. Uh, but, but still like everything else just kind of looks messy and it looks sloppy and it, it doesn't look like that offense. And, you know, the, Penn state has got to get it right with its coordinators because the defense hasn't been good either, but Brent, Brent Pry at least has a strong track record of putting out really, really good defenses year after year. Uh, but still like, to me, this is, an offensive and defensive mess. The offense is totally out of sorts, uh, you know, and there's no track record of it being better under Sharaka in at Penn state, whereas Pry is it's totally out of sorts as well, but there's some track record there and, you know, you get a little bit more leeway and I'm willing to give Pry, quite frankly, the benefit of the doubt because of that. But, but man, this is, I mean, I, I honestly, I still think it's going to get worse before it gets better for Penn state. And so if you're a fan right now, like it is, this is not a fun place to be. It can't be, no. And I mean, you say it's going to get worse, but how much worse can it get? 
I'm kind of scared to ask that question because we have to watch these games every week, you know, but geez. Yeah, and, and four more losses worse. And, you know, we were talking pre-podcast. I think Rock Bottom is coming in uh, next week, and I think Rock Bottom is losing to Rutgers, which would be the inexcusable loss. Like, that is – Penn State cannot afford to lose that game. They can go 1-8. and eight. They cannot go 0-9 with a loss to Rutgers. They can't go 1-8 and eight with a loss to Rutgers, quite frankly. Uh, that is – that is not not a good place to be, but you know we this is as good a time as ever to spin it forward to uh, to Michigan and what's coming this weekend. Uh, a Michigan team that got its second win of the season after it defeated um, Rutgers this past Saturday in uh, I think triple overtime, uh, a game that was fun. It was uh, you know it was two it looked like two good offenses quite frankly, which is not something we were uh, used to seeing earlier in the season from Michigan and and Rutgers, who has a, a really good offensive coordinator and Sean Gleason there, uh, but. You know, uh, if if Michigan is sort of getting itself right offensively, this might be another long weekend for Penn State fans. Like this is, I don't know about you, but this is, this is again looking like another likely loss. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to bet for Penn State to win a single game now. You know, no matter if it's Michigan, Rutgers, Michigan State, or that that fourth game, which will be the crossover with the Big Ten West. Um, I think, you know, in this game, something I wrote about in our, in our key matchups that we do weekly is, you know, watching Jahan Dotson against Michigan secondary. Uh, the Wolverine secondary has gotten shredded every single game. You know, they, they're ranked 103rd in passing yards allowed, uh, giving up close to 300 yards through the air. I think 274 per contest is the, is the exact number there. Um, they've let several receivers, you know, go for over 100 yards. Um, you know, even in the, in the win against Rutgers, Shameen Jones, you know, has seven catches, 127 yards. Uh, Bo Melton, another Scarlet Knights receiver, adds 109 yards and a touchdown. You know, they've, they've gotten shredded on a weekly basis. Um, and I think Jahan Dotson has proved it against, you know, everybody so far. He had, you know, he had that one bad game against Nebraska where he caught two balls for 27 yards. But outside of that, he's had three games over 100 yards receiving. Um you know, his second lowest output outside of that, you know, that one bad game against the Cornhuskers was, um, you know, 94 yards against, uh, against Indiana in that opener. So I think that's something to watch right there. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And, and even that, that bad game against Nebraska, they make the quarterback change. Clifford, quite frankly, isn't hitting him when he's wide open, which is, you can't really put that on Dotson. And, and, you know, he was, I mean, I'm sure I haven't gone back and looked at, you know, any, any film of that game. Cause I don't know why anyone would at this point with how bad it was, but uh, I would, I would bet that Dotson looked better than the numbers said. And, and like you said, he's been great all year uh, and Penn state absolutely needs him to succeed uh, to find any success on offense. Uh, whoever is that quarterback, whether it's Clifford or Levis or, or, you know, or Roberson or Micah Bowens or a walk-on or whoever, they've got to get the ball to, to Dotson, especially with, and, and I guess, you know, we, uh, you know, didn't talk about this extensively, but Pat Frymuth being out for the season, uh, you know, with that that injury uh, is is going to hurt them, you know, uh, and it's going to take away Clifford's most reliable uh, option on offense. Although Dotson did take over that mantle a little bit this season anyways. Uh, say, I thought, but Pat was a solid number two. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I guess you can look at Parker Washington, you know, who has almost 300 yards receiving, I believe, through these first five games. But Outside of that, there's not much there, man. Yeah, there's not much there. Yeah, and, and it's it's going to be Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson that he's looking to at tight end. Uh, you know, those guys, young, athletic, really good, but still young. Um, mm-hmm. Keandre Lambert-Smith could take a step forward and, and could improve. Um, but, but you know, for me, it, this is this is going to come down to quarterbacks and, 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 more importantly, Michigan's quarterback. Now, 
The caveat is that Jim Harbaugh hasn't named Cade McNamara the starting quarterback yet for this Saturday, but I like it would be insane to me if they didn't start McNamara with how awesome he was against Rutgers and how much better he was in, in, in that game than Joe Milton has been all season. Um, you know, McNamara, more of a traditional pocket passer, uh, just looking to sort of distribute the ball to his weapons, looked really good uh, against the, the Scarlet Knights. Now, Rutgers doesn't have a great defense, but but still, like Michigan hasn't played great offensively against anyone except for Minnesota. Uh, so, you know, they, they'll take what they can get. And, and to me, McNamara is going to be the difference maker here. Uh, he came in and a little bit against uh, Wisconsin when they were getting blown out, looked all right, threw for 74 yards on a touchdown. Uh, but but he was the reason they beat Rutgers, quite frankly, completed 75 percent of his passes, uh, you know, scored five total touchdowns, four in the air, one on the ground. Like he just that he's sort of what Penn State needs as well. But he looks like the stabilizing force for Michigan right now, which is when you're sort of in this level of turmoil that both programs have been in this year. That's all you need. Like you just need someone to come in and be like calming and, and to, to lead your offense down the field. And, and you feel like he's not going to turn the ball over every time he touches it. Um, and and that kind that's kind of what McNamara is for for Michigan with the upside to be more. He has good arm strength. He can, he can stretch the field that way. Uh, and, and you know, make no mistake about it, Michigan has the weapons for him to get the ball to. Uh, you know, Ronnie Bell came into the season as one of the better wideouts in the country. Uh, Giles Jackson's been good. Cornelius Johnson been good. They had I think seven guys catch at least four passes against Rutgers. That's really impressive. Like that's a that's a young quarterback not locking on to his options. Yeah, yeah and, and and as we've seen, other quarterbacks lock onto their options. Like it can really hurt you offensively. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see what he is this weekend. But if he's that stabilizing force and that play continues, like Penn State's going to be in trouble because they're getting outdone at quarterback again. If that's the case, whereas if Milton was in the game, this this might have been a toss up at quarterback, which is not really a good thing for either team. Yeah, John. So you know, we've we've talked a lot about this. You know, during this podcast, we talked a lot about it before the podcast. You know, like we said, it's, it's hard to, to bet for Penn State to win any matchup at this point in the season. What do you have going on? What do you think is going to happen on Saturday against the Wolverines? Uh, ugliness. Um, I've, I saw people joke about playing this game at 6 a.m., which I think would be best for everyone because uh, then I could just stay up through the night and then go to bed when it's over. This is not going to be a uh, highly viewed game. Um, it's not going to be an enjoyable football game. It's on ABC. Yeah, it's on ABC somehow, which is just a shame for anyone who wanted to watch ABC that day. Uh, but I I will say that Michigan gets closer to putting the final nail in Penn State's coffin and wins this game 41 to 14. Uh, I think yeah, I think it's only I think it's only going to get worse from here. If they're going to a two quarterback system, like that is that is the wrong answer. And if it ends up being the right answer, I'll eat crow. But like like I said, you got two quarterbacks. That means you got no quarterbacks. What do you think for this one? Yeah, I definitely don't have Penn State winning, but I don't have them getting. Well, I guess I do have them getting smacked. I've got <laughs> not smacked that bad though. Like <laughs> that bad, exactly. I've got I got them losing by two touchdowns. I got Michigan thirty-one, Penn State seventeen. Yeah, and it's going to be an ugly weekend. You know, uh, I you know maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe this is the one that Penn State can pull out. But there's there is no reason to have confidence in this team right now. It's a shame. Uh, it's you know, you, you feel for the, the players and the coaching staff who sort of had those aspirations to have it come down crumbling this hard is, is, is rough. Um, but, you know, that's where we are. And, you know, we'll keep covering them. We'll keep talking about them no matter how painful it is to watch them and, and talk about them. Uh, 
But that'll do it for this week's episode of Airing It Out. You can find us, as always, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your platform of choice. If you want to read Parthenize writing, you can subscribe to a sports pass from the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast. If you have any comments, you can reach Parth at P-U-P-A-D-H-Y-A-Y-A at centerdaily.com or me at J-S-A-U-B-E-R at centerdaily.com. Follow us on Twitter at at P-U-P-A-D-H-Y-A-Y-A underscore and at J-O-N-S-A-U-B-E-R. Thank you for tuning in and have a great day.